There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Our podcast presented by Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. And Johnny Landoff Chevrolet online at Landoff.com, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit. If you are a fan of the podcast, please make sure you support our sponsors. Without them, we have no podcast. I don't say that lightly. I mean it. Uh, it's questions from the audience, and I really am excited about the questions today. Uh, good ones on the fan page, good ones in the email, and uh, and I tip my cap. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com is how you can send them to me anytime you would like. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Uh, and, uh, if you want your name read, that's great. Otherwise I will err on the side of caution and not read your name. I'm going to go through the ones on the TMA fan page first. That's the TMA fan page. And if you do want to join it and there are like 7,080 ish members right now, um, 7,092, uh, there are some questions and this is just to prevent bots and or fake accounts from getting in, even though I know some still slip through. Uh, so make sure you answer those. Otherwise you will sit in purgatory forever. So answer the questions if you want to join the TMA fan page, which is fun and games throughout the course of the day with 7,092 people. All right, here we go. What do we have here? Uh, why does John Cletus Watson have to pull his pant all the way down to we at the rock? Great question. That's a great question to start thing. Uh, Cletus, for those of you not familiar, is a uh, friend of mine and a uh, known listener of the Ryan Kelly Morning After, the radio program, uh, who golfs, I think... Uh, and seems to have to urinate every hole he plays. And when he does, he does just drop his pants. He doesn't uh, use the restroom the way most men do. I don't, I don't have an explanation for it. Uh, I have seen images of it, and I have seen it in person. I was driving my one-year-old in a cart, and we turned a corner, and there was Cletus doing that. So that was a great baptism for him. Uh, so I don't have an answer as to why. But I can confirm that it is uh, that it is true. Uh, let's see what we got. Um, I like that. I got this a few times, both in email and I feel like a couple times on the fan page too. Is baseball more boring in general with all the strikeouts, or are the Cardinals just a boring team? It's been hard for me to get engaged the past few years. Of course, I'm asking this as Jack Flaherty gives up two home runs and the A's take the lead, uh, and. Uh, somebody then follows up by saying it's 9.30, the game started at 7, and it's just the fifth inning. It's ridiculously slow and boring as hell to watch. Then the original poster says, I want to say it's because we just had the Stanley Cup playoffs, but it's been like this for a few years. I like this question. Um, I like this question a lot because it kind of forces me to reflect on it. I don't know what has happened um, and if it's chicken or egg and that the product is boring and therefore I'm not as interested in the Cardinals or I'm just moving away from my interest in baseball, which was for certain, and I don't know if it still is, my first love. Um, but 
I can tell you that I feel like if this is going at this moment, at this moment, it can change. This is like the fourth straight Cardinal season of, I would rather them be just terrible than this kind of, yeah, they're two games out, but everybody's kind of like, yeah, they have zero potential to win a championship. The problem is you would go, well, if you look four months into the Blues season, you would say there was zero chance of them winning the Stanley Cup or four months into the 2006 Cardinals or four months into the 2011 Cardinals. And so we've had these three statistical outliers lead to championships, unlike, say, if the 2004 Cardinals would have been the only World Series champions that we've seen in St. Louis that team didn't win it, and yet I think most fans would say that's the best team we've seen in the last 30 years around here, and they got swept in the World Series. So it's tough to to, to, to totally say a team can't win when we've seen three teams that I think most of us felt like couldn't win wind up winning World Championships, two World Series and one Stanley Cup. So it's a weird spot. Um, but I, I just I, I look at this, and I'm just like, well, here's the other thing. The, the roster the Cardinals have, as we close out June is different than the roster that we thought they were going to have when we left Jupiter or even when we got to Jupiter. Um, Jordan Hicks situation is now a substantial problem. Carlos Martinez is not a starter. Now I gather is going to be the closer. Um, And then you have some guys who are just on the other side of 30 who are not performing and in, in really bad ways. Matt Carpenter is the Matt Carpenter the first half of last year. Paul Goldschmidt is the Paul Goldschmidt we've never seen before. And then you just have a, a few guys who are kind of just average to below average, but you kind of knew they'd be below average going in. And then uh, Marcelo Zuna is the one offensive piece that you feel good about, um, but he's a free agent in a few months. And then it's like, okay, if you want to pursue Marcelo Zuna, now you have a bunch of dollars tied up in a handful of players. So how are you going to handle that? Uh, it's a it's a weird spot in that it's the same spot they've been in for the last three years, I feel like, which is you're at the end of July and you're like, having I'm having the same argument I've had with Doug and the Cat, which is I'd really like to see them sell. Uh, which isn't what I'm saying right now, but that's where we were in 16, 17, and 18. But I also understand why they didn't because they were close in one of or both of the respective postseason spot races. So that's why I say I'd rather them be totally out of it and then they could make a move. I also feel like um, there's a there's a general frustration with the organization that, you know, that I thought might be eliminated when Mike Matheny was fired, but it's, it's still there. It's certainly still there. It might even be more intense. And I don't know, I, I, I occasionally see it, but it's, it's like kind of like when a news organization cites one batshit tweet and then builds an entire segment around it. So I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's everywhere, but uh, you know, they won't spend money and it's like, Oh geez, you know, they, they just signed Paul Goldschmidt to a monster deal. Are we really going to do that? Are we really going to do that? Cause it, it just, it, it really, you know, if anything, they've spent money irresponsibly. They've identified talent really poorly, either for the people they've brought in or the people they've let go. And I think that, that to me, is where you have the discussion. I thought Derek Gould's story this past weekend in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch was outstanding in that it broke down a lot of these trades that have been made that you're just like, wow, look who is gone, look what they're doing elsewhere, and look who the Cardinals got for those players. Uh, look who the Cardinals were trying to sign as free agents or did try to sign or did sign as free agents. And look what they've brought to you. Look at the fact that Mike Leake's pitching quite well in Seattle and the Cardinals are paying a good portion of his salary. I mean, there is 
an issue, and this this issue, this this opinion was felt by a number of people going into the 2018 season, credible people, that Mike Matheny's the one who's going to take the fall if this team fails, but look at this team. This team is not necessarily a great team, and I'm talking 2018, not 2019. I didn't misspeak. And then, of course, Mike Matheny took the fall, and uh, and then I think a lot of people like it. And then they saw what happened in August with Mike Schilt of 2018. Like, see, it was Matheny. But uh, in speaking with uh, some people tied to that team, just kind of like, yeah, we were winning, but we kind of felt like we were playing above our heads. And then also, if you look back on the schedule at that time, and not many people were talking about that, but we weren't exactly killing it. And then when we did have to play the Brewers and Dodgers at the end of the year, remember what happened? So uh, I think that needs to be included into the discussion. It is an odd thing. I have very little interest in watching the Cardinals play. Very little interest in watching the Cardinals play, but I've had very little interest in watching the Cardinals play for the last few years. Um, and I, I don't, it's, and I don't, rec- I, I have not worked in media in St. Louis at a time where I feel this apathy is the word, I think. Uh, I don't think there's that much, there's certainly anger, but again, I think it's a wing of the fan base. Uh, it's apathy. And also just like, God, this team is how, if anything, I think people are almost frustrated by the fact that they're only a couple of games out of first place because it just doesn't stand to reason when you think of first place Cardinal teams from, you know, the last 20 years. So um, I also think that the, the bringing up the Stanley Cup playoffs thing, you're going from the intensity of that and how it's action constantly and near death experiences or near euphoric experiences, at least, you know, God, I don't know five at a minimum per period uh, and every one of them matters and you're talking about 26 games of that which means 26 nights or days of that and also uh, that it was uncharted territory for Blues fans um, of a certain age and even those that were around in 68, 69, and 70 I would imagine would agree that this was a whole different world than that then uh, that yes this is this is this is this is feels so much slower but it's also just it's just a team that you're like, who gets you excited? I don't know who gets you excited. And I think there's some concern that as bad as it is right now. And again, bad being relative, they still are in a race. I mean, I think it's getting overstated. And I think part of it is just the success has been expected, but for as bad as it is right now, uh, it's not like you go, well, next year will be better. You don't. I mean, Alex Reyes' situation is starting to make me wonder if we're ever going to see him. Uh, Jordan Hicks is not, Jordan Hicks could come back. That's not real highly likely at the level that he was throwing 104 miles an hour, 105 once. Um, but that's not going to be for a year with having Tommy John. Is Marcelo Zuna even going to be part of the team? I'm not sure you even want him to be part of the team. I know that's a prisoner that would sound like a take that would get killed by prisoners of the moment. Um, and I listen, I would understand why they would pursue, but I also why I understand why they they would go, God, we we can't or we need to unload and eat a bunch of a, of a contract here with Fowler. I mean, there it's, it's that's the thing. It's not like, you know, you go, yeah, they suck now, but I see TJ Oshie coming, that type of thing that maybe blues fans felt during like 2007. So I understand it because it doesn't look really impressive. And then also just in general with baseball. You know, the strikeout versus home run thing, you know, I mean, my falling in love with baseball came during the the era of the stolen base. And yeah, home runs or strikeouts 
doesn't really fascinate me. The shift maybe plays a role in it. I don't know. I just know. I, I wonder. It's it's like like the college basketball discussion we'll occasionally have. If Missouri and or St. Louis U and or Illinois were really good, would I feel the way I feel about college basketball? Because while St. Louis U went to the tournament this year, that was a surprise. Uh, and Missouri went last year. Uh, albeit as kind of a, you figured they best would have two games, um, even though the team that they lost to wound up going deep uh, in an 8-9 matchup, that I just, I for me, I just don't think college basketball is ever going to come back, at least under the current format. Now, maybe it changes and you don't have the one and dones and maybe it changes, but I just don't think it's going to come back. And that's, I say that even if Missouri is good. I say that even if St. Louis U is good, even if Illinois is good. Uh, I just, my, that's, and I don't know if my ship has sailed here with baseball. And if it has, it has. But um, I feel like this is kind of going on, which is why this whole thing about being the best baseball fans is kind of like, okay, what city really is synonymous with baseball outside of St. Louis? I don't know. And so it's like this odd source of civic pride about these ovations. That's just such a weird thing to me. I mean, listen, it, it, and it doesn't bother me. It's just, it's like, why do, who gives a shit? So we stand up for, baseball players I you know it what is it what is it I don't know and like pat ourselves on the back about it I don't I don't know I don't and and I want to make it clear that the Pujols thing I believe like 95 percent of the people doing it were either there to enjoy him themselves or to show their kids who may not uh have been old enough to even know what was going on when he was doing what he was doing you know, because I haven't thought I might have taken my son to a game yet, but I was thinking about just taking him just so he can say he saw Albert Pujols play, even though he wouldn't remember it. But I'm talking about like ovations for like Skip Schumacher. You know, I mean, it's just kind of like, look at us. I feel like there's a lot of that when that's going on. The Albert Pujols thing was different. But with that said, the point in, in bringing it up is it's not like the game is surging with young people uh, as far as an audience goes. It's surging in regional audiences but it's an older demographic, which would fit St. Louis at this particular moment. Um, yeah, so if you are younger and you are into the NBA or you are into the NHL or you are into soccer or you are into the NFL or college football and then you flip over to a baseball game, wow. I mean, it is an, it's, an, it's an aggressive shift in pace. And, uh, and this is coming from somebody who loves the game you know, way more than I would think the average person has throughout my life. But, uh, you know, at this point, I don't know. So that's why I wonder if the Cardinals got it going, would I be engaged to the level that I was even, you know, in 2015, you know, so we're not talking about 20 years ago. And I don't know. I don't know. I'd be curious. I would love to see it because that means they got it going. And, I'm, and by the way, I'll put it on the record here, uh, kind of like a, the weird thing with feeling that the Blues would lose game six, but then win game seven. Uh, that I think the Cardinals are going to get it going. Um, I just, I, you know, even though I, a lot of these guys are on the other side of 30 and it might not come back to the level that it did, uh, I just think mathematically it would make no sense for them continue to be so below their career projections and just have, have them lose it. So if I were uh, buying up players in fantasy baseball, I'd try and get Paul Goldschmidt, I'd try and get Matt Carpenter right now. That's That's the time to buy. Do with that what you want. All right, uh, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a firsthand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff 
in Webster Groves. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy, I've got a lady, I'm good. I don't really care to talk about insurance. It's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever. And that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way. And then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019 and the basement's flooded and the world changes. It just so happens because my interactions with James have been so positive that my wife and I switched to James Carlton uh, in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now, he still checks in. You know, I mean, it's it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which, of course, was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on, on something or I've forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. But he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of so you're covered. It's just... It's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me. And I go, oh, it's James Carlton. Here, let me include him on the, on the email. And I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope he does okay. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments, so you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Uh, people liked this one. Uh, my answer won't really excite them, but I'll address it. Have you spoken with Senator Danforth about Josh Hawley's performance as a senator to date? I imagine the author of Faith in Politics, who was a vocal supporter of Hawley's, would be alarmed that his protege has become so far right wing that he has been called by one article, quote, the one man most likely to turn the United States into a theocracy, end quote. Assuming you cannot share private conversations, do you think he at least recognizes the contradiction this has turned out to be? Like you have stated, I also have been repulsed by Greitens and Hawley and their willingness to be anything to anybody for the sheer purpose of serving their own ambitions. Um, you are correct in that even if I did have a conversation with him about it, uh, I would, unless he said, yeah, you're more than welcome to talk about this. I would not, you know, and I think most of you understand, I would hope understand why I wouldn't violate a president in making it public. Uh, but we have not talked about it. We did talk about it leading into the election. And it's like the first time where his eyes kind of lit up and he's like, Ooh, good. You want to debate me? Let's debate. And, you know, he kind of got back into his U S Senator mode. Um, and, uh, and I expressed to him, I said, I, listen, I know you're a fan of this, this guy in a big way. He's a big, he was a big fan before he was even running for, for Senate. Uh, but I said, he just, he is, he is not um, my style. And that's not like he's a Republican and therefore that's not it. It was recognizing some traits. And obviously he's not cut from the same cloth uh, as Greitens style of, of governing. So it's not just like Republican, Republican. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, it's not like I was some enthusiastic Hillary Clinton supporter. I am not, I, the, the Democratic candidates, I guess a portion of them, because there are so many, are debating tonight, and I really have zero interest in even watching it candidly. Um, 
So this this isn't a political thing so much as it's a um, intuitive read on what this person who posted this uh, said, which is, I have been repulsed by Greitens and Hawley and their willingness to be anything to anybody for the sheer purpose of serving their own ambitions. That essentially sums it up. That sums up my read. Um, do I think that it, that I'm on all the time? No, uh, because I can't imagine that I am. But I do feel good about, the very least, I don't know when I started having these. I felt really good about John McCain in 2000. I can tell you that. And you go, well, he didn't get the nomination in 2000. I said, I know. And I think that's the beginning of a lot of problems. Um, the South Carolina primary of 2000 to me is a watershed moment in the history of the United States as weird as that statement might sound, because I don't know who in the world would even remember that. But if you want to dig into it, dig into it, because I think that was a, a, a significant moment in the history of this country. Um, and uh, what wound up happening there, and then what that then led to, and then what that then led to, and then what that, so this domino effect of it. That's why I say that. So with that all said, um, whether it be being horrified by a variety of candidates since then, um, or feeling like I was right on reads on candidates since then. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the intuition, I guess. Uh, but inevitably that streak's got to come to an end, I would think. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like, if I even start going into it, then it's like, oh, you're taking this. It's, and it's not, cause I'm trying to think of some, uh, I had a bad feeling about John Edwards, um, uh, Sarah Palin was like the moment to me where I'm like, wow, this has now been normalized. Uh, I mean, she was a weekend sports anchor. I was a weekend sports anchor. I do not believe I'm qualified to be a heartbeat away from uh, the presidency. Uh, even if I can talk and get a certain segment of the population riled up. Um, so it, it kind of got to this, this is, I mean, it's a different world than 15 years ago. And, uh, and a lot of people thought that was a different world then. But, yeah, uh, I can't speak for Jack Danforth. I would love to have him on. But if I know Jack Danforth, it's not like he would go, yes, I'm appalled. It just w it just wouldn't be his style. So, you know, I, I, and, I'm not, and it wouldn't be right for me to speak for him. But, you know, Josh Hawley is who I thought Josh Hawley would be. <laughs> Let me put it that way. And if I were sitting down again with lunch with uh, Senator Danforth, I'd be like, yep. I'd be like, yeah, 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 and I don't know what he would say, but I know I would be like, yep. All right, uh, let's see. How much has the Blues playoff hockey reduced your, oh, here's, that's why I said we already had, this is kind of a theme that reduced your interest in baseball. In other words, going from the crazy highs and lows and highs of playoff hockey to baseball, it's hard to watch. Uh, I agree, and again, I'll restate, and if I had, if I knew my ass from a hole in the ground, I would have edited this on the fly, and I guess Pete could edit it, but why not just keep my fuck-ups in? Because uh, it is a similar question than earlier. Um, and the answer is I'm curious to see as if the Cardinals got going, if I would feel differently, but at this moment I agree. And I think a lot of St. Louisans agree that this is not exactly the most thrilling product to watch. Uh, let's see. You always make uh, comments jokingly about being quote unrelatable when it comes to money issues. Is there an incident that this comment stems from gangster Pete? Have we answered this question? I know I've I talked about it. I feel like anyway, but I answered this. Question. It's been talked about. I don't think you specifically answered this. Okay. Um, the answer is yes, but I can't go into specifics because then it would be going outside the room. 
Um, but I can tell you the circumstances around it were really disappointing. And I think the reason why I probably bring it up is because it bothers me. It's like if somebody is bothered by something, they talk about it. It's a tell. It's a pretty easy tell. Now they can say it doesn't bother me, but they're talking about it and they're saying it doesn't bother me. So I know I've said that in the past and I'm trying to cover up the fact that something bothers me. This bothers me. Um, it bothers me though. It goes back before the unrelatable thing, which someone said to someone, um, regarding me living in Florida, uh, during spring training and that I'm now unrelatable to the audience. Uh, and that was very disappointing, especially since I know the person who said it and that person's never said anything to me about it. And, uh, and that's, that's as much detail as I want to go to and about it. But, that, and it was, I don't know, it, it it was someone who I, I guess would also be considered, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm arguing with myself as the cat would say. Uh, but, um, I mean, the reason I do that is we, my wife and I hate winters and I realize some people are like, yeah, we hate winter too. And I understand it, but we have a one-year-old and part of what I do is, is, you know, covering St. Louis sports um, is, is weirdly as we do it. And we were able to monetize, um, being down at spring training, my parents and Anna Marie's parents, um, you know, we have an opportunity. They're, they're all retired. And so they can spend time with their grandson and uh, be in warm weather and spend time with us. And listen, I assure you, uh, actually, of course I did run it by financial advisors before doing it. It's not like somebody would say, yes, go ahead and, and rent a place, you know, and, and do this. But I, it's, it's like my dad, we were talking about something last week and he goes, Timmy, you spend money. I just uh, save money. You spend money. I mean, shit, you know, which I don't necessarily think was a compliment. Um, but I just, I am more in the, I don't know what's coming and I do know this would be great. And therefore I want to do it. It makes my family happy. My son is not in school yet. And so we can, we can do it. And plus it, we're down. It's not like we're, it's not like we're like in Hawaii or Scottsdale where there'd be no connection. I mean, we're in Jupiter where the Cardinals are. And, um, and we do get, I mean, my God, the, the content we got as far as interviews from spring training, I mean, we got some really good stuff and I'd like to, if, and I'm not sure I would say it's less than 50% just because of a variety of factors that I would do it in 2020, but, um, I would love to certainly. Um, and if we did, I would hire, I would bring somebody down or hire somebody full time to bring, get even more out of, of being down there. So if anything, I kicked myself for, for that, for this past year and the year before. Now, with that all said, um, I think the, the way this whole thing started, um, and it's a brutal thing. I hate it. I hated it the moment it happened. Um, and I'll give some context here that, you know, um, when Randy Markell and I, who owns KFNS, uh, did our agreement in 2016. Uh, he, as a gesture to me, was nothing but kindness, 100%. It's kind of the guy he is. He's just a good guy. Um, and he named the LLC, I think he named it McKernan Radio Group, I think. And he did that on his own without asking me as a gift. Uh, just as a, like, kind of a, like, I believe in you and I want to work with, and that was, that was, it was, it was a super kind gesture. My personality is, I don't know how else to, I, that's just that putting my name on something 
is not my personality. Um, that's not to say somebody who does it is right or wrong or vice versa. It's just not my personality. I guess maybe if I did do something on my own and that name actually then added value to the business, that's a different thing. But I view the success of, of the morning after as a group success story, many of whom aren't even with the show anymore. And so to then identify me as the person, I just, I, I would, I'd be uncomfortable with that because it's not accurate and I'm not comfortable with doing that. And so I remember discussing it with our attorney and I said, I don't know how to handle this because I know Randy did it with, with only the, the most pure intentions, but I'm not comfortable. And he goes, oh, it's, he goes, LLCs can be named the weirdest damn things in the world. And then you set up a DBA and nobody even knows what it is. And I'm like, okay, that was, that was so help me. That was less than 24 hours before I'm sitting at a poker table in Las Vegas, less than 24 hours later. And, uh, I, my, my phone's and I'm playing pretty well, by the way, don't I stack early in this tournament at the Venetian and, and I'm in a good place. You got it. It's like golf. You got to be in a good place mentally to perform and be focused in the math and knowing what certain players do and the whole deal. And all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up and I try not to look at my phone when I'm playing unless I'm in a break. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? And then I see that, forget the name of the company is McKernan Radio Group. My contract and the details of the personal services contract, it wasn't leaked. When you do a deal and ownership is transferred and it's a, a broadcast entity, it has to go through the FCC and it's a public document. And my personal services contract was included in that and it was not redacted as it's supposed to be. It's just a fact. It, and, and it wasn't done intentionally. Uh, by this attorney. I don't even know the attorney, but he just didn't redact it. And so therefore it's a public document. One online news source gets it and then it gets passed around. The thing that they reported that wasn't accurate was that I bought the station or that I bought a part of it. And that's not true. Randy, part of my deal gave me um, a part ownership in the station. Um, but that then got my, you know, I mean, I obviously am involved in inside STL and involved in the company that Dan McLaughlin and I have, and, and those are different revenue streams. But as far as my, uh, contract, personal services contract and my compensation with KFNS, that was then public. And, and I, and I think what that did, there was a lot of resentment and, uh, some from people in the business and then some from listeners. And it's an odd thing. Um, but I know what happened. I hate it. I hated it that day. So I was concerned about it being public that the company was named after me. And then 24 hours later, it was like on the fit on the list of 50 things that, you know, it was number 50 um, because that had happened. And that's because I, I knew what would happen and it has happened that there's resentment. Um, and the, the thing that I would say, since it's been asked about and I'm addressing it is what I think some people audience and maybe other people in radio mistook that as is, well, I make this and he's making that. What's that all about? Well, the difference is what Randy was paying me for was to pick up what we had built at 920, which I will always be incredibly proud of. And it was a, we, it was not an, I built at 920 and then take it and, and do it at KFNS. Whereas I was renting the airtime at 920 and paying a, a large amount of money. I think everybody, if they knew the dollar figure, they'd be, if anything, I think they might be surprised at how much it was. And now we're eliminating that rent fee. Um, and then Randy is now getting the morning after he's getting um, 
the he has at least the option of the shows that we had at 920 and you're bringing all that revenue over and I had operated 920 um, in our time brokerage agreement with the owner of 920 and so it wasn't like I was being paid solely as a talent certainly that was part of it but it was for the revenue that was connected to us um, but it became you know like a titillating thing it, it's it's a, it's a gossipy thing and I get it it's not like I'm like oblivious to it and, and it, it, it it was I was I was the quote, victim of it. So now I'm going to stand up against it. I get it. I had a lot, I hadn't had a lot of people, but a couple people who were close with me in business that were beside themselves that that was made public. And I was, I I, I didn't like it, but I also knew once it happened that it was going to be written about because why? Because it's going to get clicks. It's, that's the game. So I don't like it, but that's the game. And so that started it. That's actually what started it. And then the fact that I live down at spring training, um, Again, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if anybody in the audience even has an issue with it. This was one person who I guess technically is uh, in the audience uh, who said this to one person who then said it to me, and I'm just like, wow, you know. And if I if you if I got any if people you know the people would go if if the details of it too. It's not just like one like in passing. Somebody sent an email. This was somebody I know who said it to somebody who I know who then was kind of trying to hold me accountable. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it varied. it's disappoint. it's more disappointing because of those circumstances than the actual statement. Um, I don't, I mean, I've, I, the morning after has continued to exist throughout a lot of unique circumstances in part because of calculated risks that we at Inside STL have taken that were by no means guaranteed successes. And um, I am absolutely proud of that. But I don't deserve the credit for it individually because individually I wouldn't have been able to do it. And that's why I always want to make that clear, you know, without the whole group in the morning after, without the salespeople, um, you know, and I'm talking about going back to 2010. I'm talking not talking about just one time. This is this is a long term thing, you know. So part of the fact that the show's been on the air for 15 years um, is we've been able to keep ourselves together for 15 years and navigate some bullshit that would all that otherwise would blow. Like if it's like a band that would blow up a band and we keep that stuff internal and we get through it. And, uh, and I'm very proud of that part. Um, but that, that's, that's where it comes from. I mean, I know I'm not getting into specifics. There is a specific incident, a one time thing. And, uh, and now it's kind of become a running joke, but it's a running joke because I made it public and I made it public because it bothered me and it still does. Um, again, but I, it does because I know the person who said it and I, and the fact that the person said it to who the person said it to is, you know, it's a, it's a, if you knew you'd be like, yikes, that's pretty slithery. So anyway, um, all right. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, if you're able to acquire 590, is there any chance an HD signal is back in the realm of possibilities? A lot of the questions, both in email and on the fan page kind of focus on this 590 thing. I, I, I went public with the situation about possibly buying KFNS because, so I'm going to keep saying it. It's like a campaign speech though, because I want to keep driving this home because it is of primary importance. I can't emphasize it enough. It is the number one issue, uh, that I want to hire a general manager to run this business. So when Dan Caesar was interviewing me about it, he said, what's the difference now? Well, number one, my wife was pregnant in 20, 
in 2016, but we had a scare a few weeks into the pregnancy in like, I think it was the first weekend of 2017. And, you know, the doctor says, you know, this stuff can be caused by stress. And I'm just like, okay, that's enough. I'm already stressed out as it is. And, and we, did, we were told we couldn't have a baby. And now we have one. And my wife thought she lost the baby. And the doctor's talking about how stress can play a role in that. And I know I am so stressed out. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't risk this. So that's, that's that. Fortunately, Jameson was born in August. And, um, you know, we're just at a different point. Secondarily, um, you know, the world is a different place as far as what I see is the opportunity here uh, with the ability to do some things that even three years ago weren't possible with regard to social media, live broadcasts, just the access of holding up a phone and either going live or with videos, um, in addition to the passionate following that fortunately uh, a number of uh, entities would, would have, and that excites us. So we see an opportunity, but the, the biggest thing, uh, professionally, cause the personal thing is the, is the, is of course, Anna Marie being pregnant and us thought thinking we lost the baby, um, is that I would, I would not run it. I, I, I can't, I can't because I'm hosting a show in the morning and whoever runs it, whoever we hire to run it, if we do this, and I want to emphasize it's an if, it's not a when, we do not know. This is a game that my analogy would be we're in the fourth or fifth inning of this. Uh, so the, the perception that this has happened or is going to happen, while it's certainly in play, it is not yet, uh, is because I want to make sure we hire a general manager. You can't optimize a business and have the person running it come in three hours into the business day after the person's hosted a radio show for three hours. I did it. I did it out of necessity at 920, um, but it doesn't optimize the business. And we're going to play this hand differently. Um, not only will this person uh, be our general manager, but this person will hire his or her sales staff and essentially have a sales background to lead our sales. Staff. That's my focal point. And I know understandably anybody talks about radio, they want to talk about programming and that's fine. It's certainly a monster part of the business, but the biggest engine of a business in radio is the sales staff as it probably is in most businesses, but they're not the names that you recognize and the ones that have gossipy things written about them. So people don't care about, you know, who's director of sales and who build this, this particular quarter and so on. But I assure you, that's what I care about. Uh, so I'm not going into this going, okay, if I buy KFNS, this is what we're going to do with the programming. I'm telling you, you're hearing it directly from me. If this is to happen, that means we have found somebody we feel like can lead this radio station. And fortunately, also different than 2013, um, I am lucky enough to have multiple people um, who are working with me on this, uh, searching, but also playing a role in interviewing people. And, um, and, and so, you know, even if I like somebody, uh, you know, there, there are multiple people I would say are better qualified actually with their experience um, to to be on board as well and ask questions that I might not think to answer. So, or it's not that I might not think to ask, I should say. So it's a different program, but I also know that if this were to happen in five years, I'll look back and go, God, how about the dumb shit I did in 2019? It's just, that's the way that it works. You're always learning. You're always growing. The person that I am in 2019 is different than the one I was in 2014. It's sure as hell different than when I was in 2009. And I wouldn't even recognize the guy in 2004. So, um, that's, that's, that's the thing that I always want to keep. Cause I feel like, like if it does not happen, people go, what happened? 
And I'll go, well, here's the audio of the seventh time I said, if we can't hire a general manager that we feel like can lead this business to the level we want it to be led. And a lot of this is about entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial vision, ambition, um, but then also character. Uh, that's huge. I can't under, you know, uh, underestimate that importance. Uh, then we're not going to do it, you know, but we do see it as a great opportunity and I'm really excited about it. I think Randy and I can get a deal done. Um, but I've let him know I got to find a general manager first because I'm not going to take this responsibility on and this cost, uh, if I don't feel like we have the right person who then with a domino effect would also add on to a number of really quality people who are already a part of this. So, you know, there is that. So when it comes to questions such as an HD signal, it's a fair question. I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I, honestly, I, I, it's just not. Randy and I have not even, we've talked about a price, but we haven't even agreed to a price yet. Why people would say, well, that sounds dumb. Well, I'll tell you why. Uh, because Randy is my boss. Um, even though I know Randy would never call himself that he is the owner of the company. I am an employee of his company and imagine going into your boss and negotiating to buy, uh, the business, but not sure if you really want to and have the people and have the horses, so to speak, because I really, it's, it's, it's gotta be a sales background for this general manager position, uh, to do it. And then the, the potential downside of like, you know, getting into negotiation for something that doesn't even wind up happening. And then you come to an agreement and then you go, Oh, sorry, Randy, I don't want to buy it now because I wasn't, I don't want to do that. So I've let him know that this isn't, I mean, so, so anyway, with the article in the post dispatch, the reason why I talked about it publicly is we wanted to have the ability to convey, whether it be for those who read the post dispatch, stltoday.com, listen to TMA, have friends who would have consumed that article in any capacity or on the show say, Hey, you know, I know you're a fan of that show or I know this show might be really weird, but they have a big audience and a loyal audience. And I know you're kind of stuck in the spot you're in and you're tired of working at a place that has thousands of employees and you just feel like you're kind of blocked. I think it might be a good idea to reach out to Tim and just let him know you might be interested in this job. And you can email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com if that, you know, hits home for you. That was the reason. Otherwise, you know, any other times we've done deals, I've just gone, okay, we're going to work through the deal and we're going to keep it quiet until we have an agreement, like a signed agreement. But, um, I said to Randy, this is of the most, utmost importance to me to make sure we have this person. And, you know, if you're comfortable doing it, I'd be comfortable talking about the fact that we're talking, but also how important it is to hire a general manager and my, and I didn't see the print article until a couple of days after it came out. Uh, when I was at my uh, wife's parents' house and they still get the, the hard copy of the post-dispatch and, um, and it was different than the one that was online. You know, you don't have as much space and it didn't even mention the general manager element, but I'm telling you that is, that's the biggest thing. And then building a sales staff and then we see how we're doing and then we adjust it from there. Um, but I'm, I can tell you this and the cat said this, uh, also, and I think gangster Pete would say it, although I, I know it's a weird spot because technically I would be the boss, I guess, but I'm uncomfortable with that term. Uh, this has reinvigorated me, you know, um, it is, for better or for worse, my nature to not sit still. And um, while it's lovely that I've been able to play as much golf as I have and spend as much time with my son as I have, and my God, I wouldn't trade the latter for anything. Uh, I just, you know, if I see an opportunity, I at least want to see if we can, we can would do something with it. And I see an opportunity here and it's, 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 it's reinvigorated me to have conversations with people. 
you know, that article, it, it got a number of people who t- to email me, which is great. That was, that was the goal. Uh, but it also got a number of people who emailed me about investing. And I, I just, before I even started recording this, somebody had DM'd me uh, and said, you know what, if you do the math on this number of people who you know are on the fan page, and then at this level of investment, this could raise this much money. And I'm like, I appreciate it. I have never said, nor will I, at least unless something changes drastically as far as, you know, what, what our business model would be, that I'm looking for investors. But when people on their own contact me, some of whom I don't even know and say, hey, I don't know if you're going to do this, but if you do, I'd be interested in investing. And then I go, oh, that's incredibly flattering. You know, and I'm like, okay, you never know, especially with people I don't know. Are they like, yeah, I got a thousand dollars, you know, and then it's, you know, I've got $200,000. Oh my God. I mean, that's, you know, and I, and I immediately say something like, you know, I, we haven't met. Uh, and it's, I just have a great deal of faith that you're going to do this the right way. And I believe in the brand that you guys have built. And that's, I mean, what a, what a, that's, that's an, inc- that wasn't because we even talk about it. Uh, Dan Caesar asked me about it. I said, Dan, I'm not going to talk about the, do- the dollars of this, but uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a nice pat on the ass that, people respect, uh, what we've done and what the vision would be and that they believe in, in what we would do, but I'm not. And so I want to make this clear, you know, we're not looking for, you know, 7,000 like this to be the green Bay Packers and 7,000 numbers on the fan page. all have a piece of it. I, if anything, I am a bigger believer in limited numbers of cooks in the kitchen. Um, so, you know, you know, if somebody wants to come in and be like, you know, one minority partner or one of three minority partners, then that's, then that's a conversation, but uh, that the, the goal is the general manager. The, that's the, the goal is the general manager with a media sales background experience. And I suppose if someone absolutely blows us out of the water and they don't have media sales experience, I mean, it would be irresponsible to just discard. But this is not just a radio venture. This is a digital content venture. This is which would fall under you know podcasts, live videos, uh, videos like the Plowhawk attempting to lift a hundred pounds would fall under the umbrella of that. This is an events business. Uh, This is a merchandise business. All of those streams flowing into one body of water. That is what the business would be. I don't know that it's going to happen. I'm flattered that a number of people have emailed and asked questions, some of which recaps. Recaps should have his own podcast with the the questions he asks. He asked another great one, but it it got really into some of the things that at this point I want, I don't want to get into, especially since it's not done and it might not ever be done because I might not pursue it. And who knows? I don't know. But, uh, like I said, I can't emphasize that enough that, that I need, I can't do that to my family where I'm working constantly and stressed out constantly. Um, and it's not fair to the people who, who make their livings through this business for me to show up down in the office or wherever the office is at 10 30 or 11 o'clock. And I've just done a uh, at least one radio show and possibly a podcast. That's just not, it's not the way this can work. It's not the way that it can get to what we believe it can be. We believe that this could be something that I think most people would probably on the outside looking in, never think it could be and just kind of underestimate, which is great. That's if anything, when we thrive, um, but it needs a leader, uh, who's a partner with me. And I'm not talking about, I need you to make sure you can have the job, but you got to put in, you know, quarter million dollars. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about a partner as in you work with me on this and you lead it. Uh, This is not me being over your shoulder. This is uh, somebody leading this business because I just cannot host 
a show and a podcast and then also probably do more content if we were to do this and then also run the business. It just would not be responsible to the business or to myself personally. So there it is. Long-winded answer on a fair question, but I go off on tangents. It's what I do. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year, that this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart, and just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. This one from the great Brian Henschen. Papa, what television shows do you watch? I'm just diving into that Big Little Eyes. Pretty good. Wonderful question, Brian Henschen. Uh, At this moment... uh, you know, the blues thing owned us and, uh, with the weather, I think finally being nice, I think this rain, this four months of rain is over. And so we just, you know, I'll put Jameson to bed around eight o'clock. And then, uh, you know, like a couple nights ago, Anna Marie and I just hung out and just had, um, some booze out, uh, outside and just hung out. And, and I love that, you know, but now she watches the handmaid's tale, I got into it a little bit. We've fallen off on it here. Uh, I don't. This, I mean, the honest answer is at this moment, I'm not in. Like, I still have three episodes of Billions left from this season. I just, I'm not, I'm not there. But that's the thing. It's like when we're in Florida, we don't wa- really watch television um, because we want to be outside. That's, you know, that's where it is. So when the weather's nice, I have very little interest in, in. Uh, in, in, in sitting inside and watching television. So I don't really have anything at this moment, but I would imagine something else would pop up. But I have heard Big Little Lies. But I thought Big Little Lies was more of a, kind of a female uh, song and dance. I like be? it. Okay, I think it's perfect. good. It's on HBO. I know it's on HBO. I don't know. Who knows? Nicole Kidman enjoyed herself recently, I understand. Uh, yeah. That's great. Right. Now I might watch it. Uh, living in California for the better part of a decade, I enjoyed watching the live cam presentation of TMA. It made me feel closer to home. Any chance of this returning? That's from the real Jimmy P. Uh, yes, 100%. If we were to buy the station, that would absolutely be something that I would incorporate um, without question. And it'd be much better. Oh, wow. How about that? Gangster Pete chiming. Gangster Pete's fired up about this, aren't you, Gangster Pete? Yeah, I mean, it just... Undo the shackles. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're we're. You know that that's that 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 one would kind of be in the in the bare minimum category. And again, things we process, and and I've already gotten a little bit of a taste of some of the stuff that I know comes with this that I don't enjoy. But again, you know, it's like I say to people. Uh, you know, there's been a recent story, and you can try to figure out what I'm talking about if you want. Uh, that's gossipy as fuck. Uh, it doesn't involve me. But uh, people ask me questions about it, and I'll go, you know, I you know, I don't know what to say outside of, you know, I've lived through having people talk about my life and read things about myself that are inaccurate, and it's just fucking miserable. I cannot tell you how fucking miserable it is. Um, and so, 
you know, uh, yeah, it gets me, it gets me, it gets, gets me worked up and I've only gotten like a sliver of a taste of it. Uh, cause you just never know. And so, um, when I, when I think of that kind of stuff, I'm just like, yeah, I don't really want to, I don't want to, I don't want to participate in it. Not because I'm better than anybody. Cause don't get me wrong. I know everybody talks, but, uh, I'm just really careful on that, uh, front. Cause I've lived it. I think once you've lived it, then you have a, a different perspective on it. Um, but yeah, you know, when it comes to what we want to do, um, you know, we, you know, we have some, we have some things that, you know, I think people would be interested in that, uh, that excite me. And, and, you know, like I said, it's just a matter of, uh, leadership. And it, I'll tell you this, the other thing is that's exciting. I guess not that it's, um, I don't know, maybe it is surprising. Maybe it's not surprising. It's neither here nor there, but some of the people around, uh, me are excited about it as well. That's good. It, it certainly is better than people going, Oh my God, no. Um, and, uh, and so that's cool as well that it gets people fired up. So I don't know who knows what's going to wind up happening, but, um, anyway, that would be something that we would do. All right. That's all fan page stuff. I haven't even gotten to the emails and I feel irresponsible and I'm 49 minutes in. So let's see what we got here. Junk mail, something from the Columbus foundation. That is exciting. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, would the 6 a.m. I mean, everything's like about KFNS, which is great. Like I said, it's good that people are engaged. Would the 6 a.m. show with just you, Plowhawk, and Iggy have another shot at landing if you were to buy the station? Just curious, understandable with all the podcasts you have going already that you may not have the time commitment to do it. I still like the idea. I was a big fan of the one-week trial run. Um, love the show and all the content that comes from JP. Um, I really want to do that um, because I just want to do it. And if I guess it kind of gets down to it, we're not going to do it just to do it. If we have dollars coming in because we do it, then the answer is yes. That's my obligation. You know, that's my responsibility. I mean, hell, it's at that point, it would be a business that I uh, own the majority of. And so therefore that's, that's, you know, and I, and I think it would make sense. Uh, I don't believe I could be wrong. It's not a shot if I'm wrong that there is any other local sports content, even though our stuff isn't really sports. Uh, but I mean, you know, I mean, look at the blues run. I, 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 I can't imagine there were many shows that did a better job talking about the blues during the Stanley cup playoffs than, than TMA did, but we're also not going to go, you know, like the Cardinals lost to the A's last night. And I don't even know if we talked about it. Yeah. I just know most people are just kind of like, okay, whatever. So to sit there and like, oh yeah. And it's time to fire so-and-so and get people worked up and get like the same people with dog avatars on Twitter now calling into the show to get them worked up and feel kind time. Just not interested in it. Uh, but when there is something going on, we're on it. And, um, and so I would love to do that. I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed that week as well. Uh, it was also cool to see like the number of emails from people and DMS from people that really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't take that off the table. I guess I wouldn't call it as much of a five-star lock as the uh, live cameras for the shows, but, um, I would say it's, it's at least in the 50, 50 range that we would do that. Just to have to make sure that there are dollars, uh, attached to it. That's kind of how everything, uh, works. All right. QFTAs, QFTAs. I save them in this QFTA file. This is a good one. I hate that it's a good one because I'm like 45 minutes in or more. 
Hi, Tim. I was wondering what your thoughts were on what I am seeing is the death of the phrase, I'm sorry. It seems like an apology has become meaningless no matter what you do or say in 2019. I see the Post-Dispatch dealing with the aftermath of posting the link to the video of Officer Lang, uh, Langsdorf's death, uh, a terrible mistake which they have taken responsibility for and apologized, but the Twitter pitchfork mafia is saying apology not accepted. I'm done with you. What can anyone do when they fuck up in 2019? How can you come back from a mistake? Do you think if the 2013 Pujol situation happened today, the outcome would have been worse for you? It just seems like the world is waiting for you to fuck up and then destroy you. Uh, that comes from the hunchback of Vaughn Castle. I loved the question. That's why I want to make sure I got to some of the emails because there were a bunch of good ones. Um, and uh, some that I can't read. Like I said, recaps one on, on uh, the possible uh, deal. Um, is a great question that I want to make sure I save for if it happens, because then we can go into some some of the weeds on it. But uh, I I think what's happened is so many people are coached to just say I'm sorry that the apology is like then it's it's uh, God, it's just like I could do like five hours on this right now. But the then then it becomes now the social media pitchfork mafia that was condemning this person as being immoral or unethical or, a, uh, you know, a boil on the face of society by saying things that were worse than the person that said that they are attacking, which again, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, this pantheon of, of bullshit with the social media, uh, grab your popcorn crew that takes out people and shames them into oblivion, into an Island where you never hear from them again. Um, that, then when the apology comes, then they also now sit there in their ivory towers and judge the apology. Now we will judge the apology from our uh, Twitter ivory tower and determine whether or not it is acceptable to welcome you back into our club, which tells you to go fuck yourself and die because you said something that we find inappropriate, except you just said go fuck yourself and die, but that's okay. So... Because the strategy to get out of jail has been the apology, oftentimes I think heartfelt apologies fall on deaf ears because apologies that aren't heartfelt are thrown into, into the pile. Um, so I don't know. I still think I'm sorry matters. Um, I really do. If we want to take one like of, of recent, like how many people saw Jason Vargas's apology? So I know I'm reaching like a 0.01% of the... But Jason Vargas comes out after threatening to beat the shit out of the reporter who pissed him off when he was Jason Vargas pitches for the Mets, by the way. I don't know how many people even know that. Uh, Mickey Calloway, the manager of the Mets, told the reporter to go fuck himself after he thought he was being a smart ass when he said, see you tomorrow, Mick, after a bad loss at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. Uh, and Vargas was clearly like, Jason, you got to go say something. He's like, okay, I've got like 50 million in the bank. I'm a 14 year veteran. I'll go say something, but this is bullshit. And I, I would imagine that's because the guys think that this reporter is a piece of shit and nobody knows the whole story, but they can't go out and say he's a piece of shit because they can't win in order to get it out. They'd have to use another reporter and that reporter's not going to participate in it. And so the Mets are kind of stuck because I just, it, that's not the way that it works. But then it turns on another attack on journalism which of course then gets people talking about politics in 2019 and it becomes a whole nother thing outside of just a guy uh, pissing a guy off and then guys acting way out of line. And Vargas's apology certainly was not in the heartfelt category. Uh, then one that we talked about today on TMA, uh, which would be uh, the Kevin Keatsman, Andy Reid situation in Kansas city. 
Uh, and a number of people kept texting it. And Keatsman's a bad guy. Keatsman's a bad guy. I don't know him. The cat, I guess, knows him. I don't know him. I know of him, certainly. And he's been a guest on shows, but I don't know him. I wouldn't even know him by if he walked in. Um, but I know he's been doing a show in Kansas City for 20 years. And I read and I heard his apology. And to me, that came off as heartfelt. Now, some people are like, no, it's he's an asshole and he should be fired. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I mean, but the thing that we're having an intense debate about is Kevin Keatsman's words that he say, says were misconstrued. But the reason he was having the conversation, because we were talking about Tyreek Hill uh, being physically violent with his family. And and Tyreek Hill is now having a hearing as to whether or not he can be allowed back in the league. But now we're talking about a broadcaster's career coming to an end because he said words. And I just feel like sometimes our punishments in 2019 don't fit the crimes. But if you say that, then it's like, oh, so you're sticking up for him. What he said, no. But there's there's more to this than just, you know, and I saw that thing going and getting going. I saw the fire uh, lit before it turned into the social media inferno in which people on Twitter and, you know, the moral high ground that we are in in sports talk radio, you know, with our doctorates and ethics that we all possess, judging him and judging his audio and judging him as a person and judging his apology. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, this is going to be gross. And then Keatsman points out that the gentleman who wrote the story for Awful Announcing has apologized to him for saying, yeah, I you know what? I attached something to it and I might've been wrong. Well, that's a big part of this. And I don't see that being covered anywhere. Oh, but at the same time, I've listened to the audio and I'm like, why would you even bring his family up when you're talking about his ability to manage a football team as in like manage it off the field and coach it on the field? I don't know. So, ah, ah, to answer your question, Hunchback of Vaughn Castle, uh, I am, a big time fan of I'm sorry's. If somebody comes to me personally or professionally, hat in hand, so to speak, or if I do it, um, I would want forgiveness, you know, obviously. I think some people think they're just doing it to try and save their careers. But, you know, you know, I mean, I don't want to do the who amongst us hasn't fucked up because then it's kind of like we all, but, you know, looking at stuff I've done, you know, I have fucked up. I have fucked up. I have fucked up. I'm sure within the last 24 hours and I've fucked up big time on things. And then you're like, Oh my God. And I would imagine I'll fuck up again. It's one of the things when I think about if we were to buy KFNS, I'm like this, this is something that will inevitably be something I'll have to deal with. I'm not talking about Kevin Keatsman and Andy Reed, but something like this, it will come up and there will be a group of people, a large group of people, possibly in this case, a nationally large group of people who will be wanting uh, me to fire somebody because of something they said. It is, it is when I consider this decision, that is something I factor in. It's something that I don't know is out there, but I know when I look out on the horizon and I look out in the ocean of what is to come, it is something that I know is under the water. I know it because I've lived it. Uh, you asked the question, do I think in 2013 pool situation happened today, the outcome would have been worse for you? No, because it was already bad then. Uh, and that's the one I I talk about my social media pitchfork mafia experience. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I lived through. And I'm like, wow, there are things that are being said, actually quoted as truth. That's not true. I can't do anything about it. Uh, and I'm being attacked. Um, it was being attacked as like a stunt, which is just absolutely false. I, you know, what I did, whatever, whatever dollar figure I have, I'd put that in the middle and say, pay me the 2 million to one on it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. 
uh, or one dollar to two million, whatever the odds are, that would be minuscule. I do because I know the truth. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was bad then. I don't know. Maybe it'd be, I, I don't know. I don't know how much worse it would be now because it was bad then. I don't think it's that different now. I think it's been going on. Really, I think Twitter is the thing that took it into another world um, where it's almost people's jobs. And I'm not talking about the people who who then become parts of the Pitchfork Mafia, but there are actually people whose careers are based on stirring it up. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it does. It really does tilt me for whatever reason. I have a real soft spot for those who are convicted in the court of public opinion when they are innocent or they haven't had a chance to uh, state their defense. And in the case of Keatsman, who I don't know, and I have zero interest, if anything, the thing I know about Kevin Keatsman is he's the guy who got it going with Kansas City hating St. Louis. That's guy. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the guy who rips on St. Louis and fills time every time the Cardinals and Royals have that huge interleague series. Uh, that's like the bit. You know, and so then another Kansas City sports talk host would see Keatsman was successful with it, and then they do it. And I'm just like, what is the deal with this? But whatever, it's who gives a shit. That's what I know about him. Um, that's all I know about him. So I don't have any skin in the game. But what he is saying, I certainly believe it, but I also would say, why would you even bring up his family when you're trying to make a case about football? I mean, that's just... But as I pointed out on TMA today, you know, when Tony Larusa hadn't won a pennant in 2004 and when he hadn't won a world championship in 2006, the first seven years for him weren't real pleasant around here. A lot of talk about being a vegan and a lawyer and how he thinks he's better than us. And we miss Whitey Herzog drinking, uh, you know, bush in the back of a boat with Jack Buck fishing commercials. Um, and, you know, he's from the West Coast and he thinks he's, you know, and, and yeah. Why does his wife not live here and his daughters not live here? And I'm like, man, and I'm like in my early 20s going, isn't that kind of fucked up? Uh, that strikes me as not relevant to what's going on on the field. So that's what I would say about the Keatsman thing. Uh, let's see. Oh, boy, boy, this is, this is. Ferguson happened when you were at nine. This, these are not, hey, how, how are your threesomes? They, they, we're going... We're going deep. Ferguson happened when you were at 920. And if I remember correctly, ownership asked you guys not to address it on the air. If you owned the station at the time or were not told that, would you have discussed it? Uh, the answer is yes. Um, but I didn't own it. And therefore, you adhere to the, re the wishes of the ownership. And I also understand the reasoning behind it. Um, the owner of that station who still owns it is a great person. And um, I know the reasons for it. And I get it. It's a touchy subject. It was a touchy subject five years later. It still is. Um, but I have always been, I shouldn't say always, but almost always been very proud of the way that our show discusses delicate matters. And I think we have credibility with the audience that not because we're coming from places of experience with any of this stuff, especially Ferguson, but that we're coming from good places. Even if people couldn't disagree with us more and that for the most part, we hear each other out. Um, I'm very proud of that. Uh, it's, and it's not like something we set out to do and we accomplished that just happened organically. That wasn't like a business model that was executed. So 
Had we been given the green light to discuss it, I think we would have handled it responsibly, but I understand why the owner of the station didn't want us to. I mean, it was a, you know, and like I said, it still is. I mean, we could bring it up tomorrow on the show and, and all hell would break loose as far as the, the, the reaction. So, I mean, much less when it was going on. Um, so I understand that. All right, let's see. Uh, in 10 to, hey Tim, in 10 to 15 years, using this time frame to represent the relatively short-term future, you had enough time for a city to realistically make a substantial improvement to their outward image and economy. Do you see St. Louis to be used under the same breath? I'm just reading what was sent in, so I know that might not sound right. St. Louis to be used under the same breath as rising cities such as Nashville, Austin, Louisville, and Indianapolis, or as deteriorating cities like Detroit and Cleveland? Uh, I don't know if Cleveland would necessarily be in that class, um, I'm not saying that it is or isn't. I'm just saying I'm not sure that it is. Uh, certainly, I would agree with you, though, on the rise of, my God, rise of Nashville and Austin in particular. Um, but, you know, also Louisville and Indianapolis. Um, I did, the honest answer is I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I really don't know. Because I think the biggest issue facing St. Louis is it's almost like a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. Most people don't even know it's there. Uh, and then by the time you discover it, it's like, Oh shit. So, uh, I think at the centerpiece of it is, is you have a percentage, like literally like a point of the population that controls I don't know what percentage of the money in St. Louis, but a big portion of it. And then also a big portion of the power. And, and for them, they're going, things are pretty damn good. Why would we mess with this? And I understand that. See, that's the thing. We're not going to like attack people because they have different situations. Just like I would hope those people who are in that situation wouldn't attack somebody. Well, if you just work hard, you too can have a membership, in, you know, our country club. You know, because that life experience is certainly different and, and haven't walked in those shoes. So, uh, but I think that's one of the issues. That's not to say that there are, you know, ridiculously wealthy pockets of the population in Austin or Indianapolis or Nashville or Louisville. Um, but I just wonder about that. Um, if that core is willing to, I don't know if even sacrifice is the right word, but uh, accept a change that may now kind of shake up the apple cart. And I don't think, I, like, I didn't know about this. And it's not to say I have a really good idea about it now. It's Because as I say, often, I know I say this on here, real money doesn't want you to know they have real money. I'm talking about real money. Real money. I'm not, I'm not even talking about millionaires. I'm talking about the proverbial fuck you money. The, the like, untouchable money. They don't want you to, and I, and I get it. Um, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would do anything to be able to make a nice living and nobody know who the fuck I am. That would be lovely. So there are a number of people in St. Louis who have that or who've inherited it and they don't want anybody to know, which to me is the most gangster way to handle it. Uh, not flashing in sports cars or shit like that. That's not the real money. It's not to say it's not a lot of money. It's I'm just saying that's not the the money that I'm talking about with this conversation. The one that can move the direction of a region money. Um, so, uh, with that all said, I think that is 
that's my Roman numeral number one, and I don't know what I don't have a solution for it. Just like my Roman numeral number two, which is the racial issue in St. Louis, which then leads to Section A of people going, "Fuck you! What are you talking about?" And and they're just mad that I even say it. So, but I don't have solutions for them. You know, I don't have solutions for them. So I don't know what the makeup of the situation in, in the, the cities that you listed is trending up, Nashville, Austin, Louisville, Indianapolis. Um, because I do know from some people who are friends of mine who don't live here or are from here and no longer live here that the perception of St. Louis is old money with a racial problem. Um, and I think a lot of people go, where in the hell is this old money? And I go, it's probably in about a, two square miles, uh, you know, but that that's 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 the perception. Now it might not be right, but I'm just telling you that's the perception that they report is the perception. And you know, it's not like this is three thousand people telling me this. But uh so I don't know. I and then that's why I think when I think of the thing and the reason why I always say it by stock in St. Louis is if you bring in people who are not from here, who are younger and have some ambition to see some material changes occur in the region uh, without then like penalizing people who have a lot of money inherited or built businesses, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know why we need to admonish that. Uh, Just like, I don't think we need to admonish people who've grown up in poverty cuts both ways Uh, that, that that's where I think we can truly build because St. Louis has a lot of talent here. Unfortunately, a lot of the talent winds up moving away. And so I always believe that the way that this really gets going is young people's voices are heard and they play a role in leading. When I think of leadership in St. Louis, when you see like these pictures, like of these things that I have zero interest in ever going to, uh, like these society events, uh, they're not like in their twenties or thirties. I mean, they're like in their sixties and and that's like the control of the dollar in St. Louis. A lot of it. I think a higher percentage of it in St. Louis than other places. Not to say that's like completely unique to St. Louis, but that's that's what I'm saying. Um, and so that is where I think the change can come. Because if, if, you're, if you're a multimillionaire and whether you built it or you inherited it or whatever the case might be, and you have your place and take your place of whichever high dollar municipality and you have the ability to travel to Palm Springs or Scottsdale or Palm beach or wherever the hell it is. You can get out of here in the winters and you go to Michigan or Idaho in the summers, you know, you're not going St. Louis sucks or you might, you know, you might be like, well, this is where I am. And, but I am able to, I'm not going to mess with this. And I get that. That doesn't make you a bad person. And then those of you who don't like it, what did they do wrong? They built a business, they inherited it. It's not like they did something maliciously. But a lot of us here see an opportunity for St. Louis to get better. I mean, you know, if we can, we want to blame the weather for people not wanting to live here, that's fine. Well, let's talk about the weather in Nashville or Louisville or Indianapolis. Those are landlocked cities as well that aren't exactly 80 degrees in December. So it can happen. I think you also need leadership that inspires people, credible leadership that inspires people, words that get people worked up, but backed up by actions and character that makes a person, a group of people believe that they can buy in. And I think that is the combination that, that can get it going. Do I think it will happen was the question. 
My honest answer is I don't know. I really don't. And I don't want to lie and say, yes, it will. Um, Because I just don't want to sit in here and lie to you. But as I say, I would buy stock in St. Louis. That's the thing that I know. Uh, that's long. What does that mean? Well, the stock is low right now, so it's a good value. But then in addition, I just think, I think there's a, there's a difference in 2019 as opposed to 2009, which is people now know we have problems. And that's the first step. You can't start tending to problems if you're in denial of them. And so that, that excites me. And, you know, I don't know. And if, and if winning a Stanley cup and if hosting an incredible PGA championship and if getting an MLS team, uh, gets people inspired, then great. It's not going to be the reason, but maybe it makes people aware of it can happen here. It can happen here. While so many of us are apologizing for this or that element of St. Louis, there's a Stanley cup here. There was a golf tournament held here that, told the story before. I've told it before. I know I've said it on TMA that a friend of mine was on the tee box at a, a very nice place in, uh, in Palm Beach County. And, uh, actually it might've been Jupiter and, uh, which I guess is Palm Beach County and, uh, and had a bag tag on his bag and hitting balls and Brooks Kepka walked past and goes, St. Louis, huh? Best golf tournament I've ever played in. Hey, okay, there's a guy who's obviously played in a potpourri of them. And, and it's not because and it's no disrespect to Bell Reeve, but you know, it was because of the crowd. So uh, these things can happen here. I just think I th- I do I really do think people are looking for leadership, and I do think, and it's not like he would have turned it around by himself, but I do think Mark Bonavani would have been a. I've had a lot of people actually because he comes up here on the on the I'm not talking about he comes up to the studio although he's been up to the studio, but I, his name comes up in these. And I'll say, you know, I've, I've voted Republican all my life and I took a Democratic ticket that day because I wanted to vote for him or I wanted to vote against Steve Stanger, um, you know, because it was in the Democratic primary lost last August. So people recognized it and considering what was on the ballot and he almost won that speaks to it, I think that would have gotten people fired up. I think a mayor who inspires people is a huge step. Um, a mayor who goes, you know what, there are some great things here, but we really are behind on some other things. And it might not be popular, but I'm going to take this leadership position and do some things that would just need to be done around here. And you can hate me if you hate me, but we're going to do this and it's going to, in the end, be for the greater good. I think people are looking for that around here. And I don't know if they were looking for that 10 years ago because I don't know if people knew how many problems we had. So that makes me believe it's possible. So I know I'm not answering the question directly, but um, I at the very least want to attempt to answer. All right. I got it. I got it. Pete, I got to wrap it up. I did. I have to wrap it up. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Uh, but I want to wrap it up with, uh, this, is a, this is a good one too. I mean, tip of the cap to the listeners. This is great that, that, that these caliber questions come in where I just keep going, ah, fuck, I can't end it here. 
Hi, Tim. Apologies if this has already been discussed on QFTA, but I hadn't heard it and was still interested in hearing your thoughts. If you had answered, do you recall about what time period? Since then, my wife and I had our first son and have moved out of the city. We miss a lot. We miss it a lot and plan on moving back down the road. But city schools had a large bearing on our decision. Thank you, sir. Uh, what was the deciding factor for you guys to move out of the city, uh, to the city of Kirkwood, school system, crime, et cetera? Do you have any plans to move back? What would need to change to entertain it? Uh, background on the question. My wife and I are 30, living in the city and still unsure of having kids. Uh, oh, so this is, I guess, when he first wrote in the question. Friends who did live in the city that have kids are all gone to the county. For the most part, the topic fascinates me. Um, that comes from Andrew. I don't know if I would pronounce it. Kubler? Keebler, K-U-E-B-L-E-R, either way. Um, so, uh, I don't know if I addressed it. If I did, I, I apologize. Um, we moved out to Kirkwood. Uh, we were we lived on Washington Avenue from 2009 through 2011, and then we lived at Park Pacific, which is two blocks south of Washington Avenue, um, in 2011-2012. And then we were in a spot where we actually, I think it was a weird deal, um, which kind of really, when I talk about Mark Hanna and Evergreen Wealth Strategies, like the fact that I was even like, what was I at that point, 34 or five, and I'm, you know, and married uh, and like, yeah, we got to rent. And, you know, it, just like, what in the fuck was I doing again? I, and, I, and it's not like shitting on renting to be clear. It's just, I didn't, I didn't save money like I should have where it should have been like a no brainer that we're buying. I mean, I'm in my, my mid thirties and I'm I have a wife and we're talking about having kids and I'm looking for yet another spot on Washington so we can continue to, you know, get shit faced. It just shows where I was, you know, and it's not that long ago, by the way. And it's not like I was 22. So when I talk about Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, these are some of the examples that pop through my mind. Um, and it's just a different mindset now. So, uh, it was kind of, I mean, this is this, I know you're looking for more of a macro answer, but the, the, the specific to what you're asking me, our reasons, I mean, it's more of a micro and that is, um, we started looking at houses, um, and, uh, we found one that we liked and, um, and it was, it was, it was new, but, uh, nobody had bought it yet. It wasn't done, but nobody had bought it yet. And we're like, God, we got to take this. And I love Kirkwood. I lived in Kirkwood before. Um, I love having I-64, Highway 40, I-44, I-270, all within a couple of minutes. I don't really like to drive too much, so if I can be close to interstates, great. Um, and so that was, that. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, I love, that's also, you know, my parents live in South City, and Marie's parents live in Chesterfield, so it's kind of a middle spot there. Um, I love uh, to the point that I think my wife is confused and maybe uh, freaked out by it. my love for the neighborhood I grew up in, hence the discussion of St. Gabriel School Picnic all the time, St. Louis Hills. My parents still live there, Tam Avenue, um, and I love it. I am also, as you probably know if you've been listening to this for a while, fucked in the head, and I have just weird things that, for whatever reason, I prefer um, that I know most people don't even think of, and it's just fucking weird, but I prefer new houses and, uh, and I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, you know like I said, we have a therapist in here and actually ask me questions. That'd be the best questions in the audience. Cause they'd be like, Oh my God, what is going on in here? But, um, 
in, in my neighborhood, that's, there just aren't new, my, my neighborhood I grew up in and where my parents live, there just aren't, there aren't new houses. If anything, I think if somebody came in and started tearing down houses, I think they'd get run out. Those houses have been around for a long time. And a lot of people just absolutely love, you know, these brick houses that at this point now have some historic element to them. I mean, you put a house on the market in St. Louis Hills and it is gone. I doesn't even, sometimes I don't even get to the market. Uh, I always tell my dad, I go, God, the minute you put that thing on the market, I go, I don't even know if you would put it on the market because I think somebody would buy it. Like, you know, so that's just the way that it works there. Not that that's unique, but uh, to other areas in St. Louis, but that's certainly the case because so many people want to live there. So, you know, I would love to live uh, in that neighborhood and I get it if you're going the public school route, that's that's a factor for a lot of people, um, you know. If we lived there, my son would go to St. Gabriel's and I would be the happiest person in the world in a very just odd way. That's where I went. And I know that that neighbor, there's so many people who I know from the 1980s when I was in grade school there uh, that still live there. And it's the greatest, uh, to me, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. And then that's why when we talk about St. Gabriel's, that's why there's affection for it. Because for most, it's like my wife. We went to her elementary school yesterday. We've got food at, uh, at the smokehouse, me, her, and Jameson. And we went to her elementary school since it's fairly close and just sat there. And then he played on the playground. There was nobody around. She goes, you don't even know the name of my elementary school. And yet we go to your grade school picnic. And she's right. But it's not about the grade school. It's about the neighborhood. And I love that. Uh, now here, now that we have a child, we've gotten to know a lot of our neighbors in Kirkwood uh, who have children around the same age and just some super cool people. Um the neighborhood element of, of that parish, St. Gabriel's, St. Louis Hills is something that I, you know, but if you're going to live there, there's a good chance that you're going to also be paying for private school. And, uh, and that's a conversation that I know can turn some people off, but it is, I assure you, it's, it's a factor for those of the people who live there. I'm sure for a, a percentage, not a large percentage, it's about, uh, the religion element of it. Obviously, that wouldn't be something that obviously, just in case you were curious, I'm agnostic. It wouldn't be something that would be important to me. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't have a problem sending our, our son to Catholic school uh, and he can form his own opinions. Um, I certainly would be more than happy to uh, to be side by side with him on that journey. It's not like I'm coming from a place of, no, this is wrong. I'm just, you know, I think there's some incredible teachings in there. Um, I'm just not big on dogma. So that's that's. That's that's my story. As far as those who've moved out of the city, I can't speak to everybody else. I can speak to mine, but that that's my reason. It's as, it's as shallow as I wanted a new house. It's a horrible answer, but it's the real answer. Um, but I'll tell you this. I mean, St. Louis Hills is in the city, and that is a thriving neighborhood. I mean, that is a thriving neighborhood. Now, some people might say, well, it's a thriving oasis in the city. And I don't, I can't speak to it one way or the other. Other people might go, fuck you. No, it's not. There are plenty of them. Um, but I can also tell you in my experience at my time, and I would say now at this time that the vast majority of people are going to a private grade school or a charter school. Um, and then they're going to a private high school. So for those who want a public education, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a different situation. And I understand that. So anyway, anytime I have this conversation, I always feel like I'm like, I know I'm going to piss somebody off, even though I know it's not my intention, but it, it like gets into the private public high school thing. Like when I'm not like joking about it, it gets, and I'm trying to answer honestly about it. It gets people, uh, 
unsettled, I guess, sometimes. And it's not my intent. It's my, my intent is to be, to be candid with what my experience has been. But, but, but here's the thing. My experience I know is, is limited to my St. Gabriel, St. Louis, U high university of Missouri experience, you know, 42 year old heterosexual white male who's lived outside of the state of Missouri for nine months. I mean, you know, we're talking about a limited scope here. So it's not like it's coming from a place of this is the way it is. This was the way it was for me. This is the way it is for me, but you may have a completely different opinion and experience. So anyway, I do with that what you want. That, that, that's, uh, a, I mean, a series of outstanding questions. So hopefully uh, those of you who asked them got your answers. Thank you as always for writing them in. You're more than welcome to email them at any time you want. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Questions from the audience. Uh, thank you to Ryan Kelly, TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Thank you to James Carlton of Carlton State Farm Insurance. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. To Design Air Heating and Cooling, Seth Goldcamp. Train, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Uh, in our line at DesignerService.com. And thank you to Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Highway 270, and the Washington Elizabeth Exit Chevy. Find new roads for Gangster Pete. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.